adventurers, this is Musecast 14, your podcast for everything roleplay in the world of Eorzea. I'm your co-host Emmy, and our other co-host, Remix Sakura and I, had the opportunity to visit the Final Fantasy XIV Fan Festival in Las Vegas, Nevada. And while we were there, Remix and I, mostly Remix, got to interview some attendees about their roleplay experiences in the game. So today we would like to share everything that they had to say, and then conclude the episode with a discussion of the event and all that it had to offer. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy this special episode of Newscast 14. Here we have... Tara Iris Fire. And what server are you from? Uh, I have a main on Marlboro. I also have an alt on Belmont. Very cool. Yeah, we've got Belmont alts here. Yeah. <laughs> so who are you cosplaying as today? Today I'm actually cosplaying my character, Tara Iris Fire. Yeah. Very cool. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Um, she is a Duskblade Elysian, born and raised at the Shroud. Um, whole family died, became really mopey, and became an alcoholic. So, yeah, <laughs> she's a, uh, a dancer, very rare, a Elysian dancer. And um, she's kind of bitter about it because no one takes her seriously because she's not a Makote. So basically, she's a girl with a lot of problems trying to make her way in the world. Awesome, awesome. Do you roleplay in-game or out-of-game on Tumblr mostly? Um, I started out as Tumblr pretty much exclusively, but now I've moved more into just mostly in-game and with some like supplementing on Tumblr and on Discord. Awesome, awesome. And this is the Thavnarian set. Yes. Is it? Awesome. Yes, it is. It's awesome. We will definitely be posting a picture as well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. Did you make it yourself? I did. I actually just ditched the uh, leggings. I had the bottoms with it too, but they were quite a pain to keep up. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, took them off. Very cool. So I guess we're going to go get back into role playing. What's your favorite part about role playing? Uh, I think my favorite part is getting to be somebody else for a little bit um, and explore concepts and things that I can't explore in my like life. So my character uses uh, substance as a way to handle her problems and needless to say that is not a good way to handle your problems in no. real life. <laughs> yeah. So I like to explore like how that affects people and just different, different ways of coping with things. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Yeah, same like you, you explore things in roleplay that you are actually not interested in doing at all in real life. Yes, exactly. You know, I, I do awful and terrible things to my character. Yeah. And explore uh, your own personal dark side a little bit. You know, in, in a safe way. Exactly. I think a lot of the time when you when you do roleplay, people end up relating to their character quite a bit. But it's neat to see that there are a lot of differences that can yeah. come between the muse and the mind. Definitely. Yeah. So we're curious. Have you ever? faced any challenges, maybe interpersonal or with your own creativity when you're role-playing? Um, one of my biggest challenges is that I'm dyslexic. So I have actually a lot, a lot of trouble typing and like writing very well. And I only recently started role-playing in the past year. So I've been role-playing for 10 months now. Wow. That's it. And so I was really scared and really anxious to put myself out there and where I was like, oh, these people are going to judge me. They're going to think I'm not as good because, I, you know, I misspelled this word. And I found that's not the case. 
and now I'm just trying to work on overcoming my anxiety to actually put myself out there, make more contacts, and especially in game, go to events and actually interact with people and not just sit there like a wallflower. Yeah. It can be intimidating for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you found that the community has been really accepting. Yeah. I mean, every every community has its rotten apples, but I've found that the roleplay community that at least I've stumbled into is absolutely amazing. That is awesome, awesome to hear. So, when you're not role-playing, what are the other things that you enjoy to do in FF14? What's your other true endgame? Well, this is actually really funny because I, I used to be a hardcore raider. Like, that's what I did, is I, I logged in to do my dailies, get my gear, and log out. And I got so burnt out, I almost quit the game. And if it wasn't for roleplay, I probably wouldn't be playing the game right now. And now, mostly I farm, I do a lot of crafting now, um, mostly gathering, and I make my friends do the crafting, and I I have an FC that I manage, and then I've got the RP group, so it's a lot of interior decorating and running events, and so when I'm not role-playing, I'm still kind of role-playing. Um, you do your normal everyday things in character. Yeah. yeah I, I actually do the same when I craft. Um, I'm trying to get into role-playing more in-game with my main, mm-hmm. and... You know, like he's he's an in-character crafter, and I kind of meld that into his personality of like he's very friendly and loves doing favors for people. Like, yeah. but like when I put up on Party Finder, like to do crafts for people, like, and I talk to them, I'm totally in character. At least yeah. Maybe they don't know that I am, but I am. I uh, <laughs> sometimes I'll just if I'm doing something in real life, I'll park myself in the drowning winch Ooh. and just dance. And if somebody comes up and talks to me, whether they now that I can tell them I'm in character with the roleplay logo, but before people would just come up to me and they wouldn't know that I was in character, but. It's great that it's there now. Yeah, I've actually met a few people on my server because my server doesn't have a lot of role play, so it's it's bringing us together, which is what I exactly hoped it would do. Um, and like, I'm leveling Machinas now, all because of a plot point and an RP. And I love the class, so it's gotten me playing and actually running dungeons and stuff. I'm one of those like really filthy casuals that like <laughs> I log in and I like play, I RP and I maybe run a couple dungeons. I haven't stepped foot into Creator yet. I haven't done Sophia, mostly because before I came to Vegas, I had like a big RP art that I had to. Yeah, it was kind of busy in the past two weeks. Yeah. I haven't done everything either. <laughs> so that. Outside of role play, I can't say that I do too terribly much, but I try to still like play the game. Yeah, it's really great to see that the RP status has made a difference because it, it hasn't been that long, and so we're not quite sure what the long-term effect will be, but so far it's it's definitely a step in the right direction. And we're also super, super supportive of people that are role-playing on places that aren't Balma. Yes. You know, like they need yes. the support. That's the, uh, more than Balmung does. That's you know. one of um, my goals. Like, I have my ult on Balmung, and I love it, and I love going to the events there. I still say I only spend about 30% of my time there. Um, I I really want to foster the, the RP community on the server that I'm on, and I put a lot of effort into running events and trying to, like, find people. I actually found people here who, ha- who didn't know that there was an RP community on our server. Wow. And so, like, as soon as I get home, I'm inviting them and getting them involved. And, and so, and there are only two link shells on my server that deal with RP, and we are constantly in communication of like, how do we get more people? And the 
the RP tag has done so much because now when we're standing in a circle in the middle of Idleshire, everybody knows why we're there instead of like, oh, what are you guys, a cult? And then we just start, <laughs> that's what we used to get on our server when we were RPing in groups. It's like, what are you guys, some kind of cult? And we'd start going, yeah, I'll hail Garuda or I'll hail Ifrit. <laughs> so uh, it, it's really helped on our server and it's only been a few weeks. I can't wait to see what it is down the road. We're seeing more and more RPers come out of the woodwork. Oh my god, I'm so glad to hear that. And thank you so much for speaking with us today. Yeah, of course. Yes, thank you. Yes. We have Ruka Dupree of Masamune. Hello. 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 Ruka is cosplaying as Sir Emmerich, I believe. Yes, I am. Can you tell us a little bit about your cosplay and why you decided to cosplay as Emmerich? Um, I'm a huge fan of Imrik. I like to imagine that I'm married to him in game. <laughs> You're one of those. Yes, I am. Yeah. No shame, no shame. And I thought it'd be a little fun to um, propose to people as Sir um, Imrik. So I'm wearing a suit today and I'm walking around with rings and uh, bouquet. Very cool. Anybody has accepted? Has anybody accepted yet? So far, everybody I've proposed to, including the other two Imrics that I've uh, encountered. Wow, you're going to have a lot of husbands and wives then. Yes. A whole harem, you could say. Yep. <laughs> Winning in life. Yeah. Well, we actually know Ruka. <laughs> we do. Yeah. She's part of our NPC free company on Lich, the Sultan's War. Yes, I am. Yeah. And so she, she role plays a little bit in game, right? Yes, I do. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've role played, so it was actually a great opportunity to be able to role play with um, a new set of people in a totally wonderful environment that is 14. And it's an environment that I feel comfortable in. Um, <laughs> We're glad. Yay! Yeah. Do you have like a favorite part about role playing? Totally trying to play a completely different character than what I'm used to. I'm used to playing different kinds of personas, and Sir Imrix is a whole different ballpark. I'm used to playing bad boys. I always role play boys, and then having to play someone as noble as him is a real challenge. But um, it's it's interesting. What's your favorite headcan? Oh, <laughs> other than super obvious Imeric warrior well, let, light? <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, let, let's keep it PG-13, no, yeah. um, maybe. I'm actually a fan of um, Yashdola and Thancred. I don't know, I, I think they have a really um, a good back and forth chemistry. It, it seems that, uh, you know, he's the playboy and all, but I feel that their feelings for each other are sincere. Interesting. Have there been any kind of challenges that you've experienced while you've been role-playing? Trying so hard to stay in character and still keep a headcanon for Sir Ivory because I know other people have different ideas for his personality and then trying to keep their ideas plus mine in mind is a little hard. But I try. Yeah, it's kind of, it's difficult to incorporate other people's ideas sometimes. Yeah. And I know like, sometimes the image that you have might be different from what's canon. So, yeah. That could be a struggle. Mm -hmm. If you make it work, you have lots of fun, right? Oh, of course I do. Yeah. I love trying to imagine that he's a lightweight. 
Oh, really? Oh my god. Oh god. You have to get him drinking with Muppet then. Wait, did, didn't we didn't we make this up? We made up we made up a headcanon about the Orisian Alliance and drinking. Yes, we did. And um I think Imerk was like the second second lightest lightweight. Who was yeah. the lightest? Ravon, remember? Ravon? Oh yeah. Yeah. Remember? <laughs> and then um Sir Imerk was super embarrassed to admit that um he had one too many drinks and he couldn't remember what he did. Oh no! Adamo is a better drinker than ever. That is very unbecoming behavior. (laughs) That's alright, so long as it's like between them. Yeah. Yeah. It should be fine. Alright, well, thank you so much for coming and talking with us. Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of FanFest. Of course, you too. Alright, we are here at day two of FanFest. Here with us, chatting with us today, is. Dinlich. And what server do you play on? My main's on Brynhildr, but I have RP on Belmong. Cool, yeah, me too. <laughs> My main is on, on Gilgamesh, but a lot of people just have have, uh, have alts on Belmong at least. It's good to have a little bit of that presence in, the, in that big community as well. So tell us about your character. Well, he's, an, he's a male Elizin. He's about 25 years old. He's a black page. Um, He's from Edelshire, and he's basically in headcanon Zephyr's little brother. Oh, yeah. From Edelshire, <laughs> but there's not really a civilization there. How or do not you... Edelshire Ishgard, I meant. <laughs> mix up the minor, two. minor differences, right? <laughs> I mix up the two. All right. Well, what does he like? What does he do? Well, he's a very noble person. I mean, he grew up in nobility, like high house kind of. Um, He's a very calm and collected person. He's actually short for an Ellison. He's only 6'3". Oh, He's no. pretty short. Yeah. So he gets made fun of a lot. <laughs> awesome. And uh, what kind of adventuring does he do? Well, he's with his husband, or, or current husband, which is fun, which is who's my actual real-life boyfriend. And oh, awesome. Life. Yeah. <laughs> so our characters are married. <laughs> oh, that's cute. That's cute. What kind of jobs does he do? Is he a crafter, adventurer? Well, Aston's a crafter, to, like an alchemist. Yeah. Not much though. He he, uh, he does white mage and black or uh, dark knight too. Awesome, awesome. So, do you mostly roleplay in game or out of game? A little mix of both, actually. Yeah. yeah. Where do you go out of game? Out of game depends on who. It's either Facebook or uh, Discord. Yeah. Tumblr. Yeah, Tumblr too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> Tumblr's of, another one. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of options. Some are more public, some are more private. Mm-hmm. So what would you say your favorite part of role-playing in FF14 is? The community. It's I've, I've never ran into a bad person yet, but I've had nothing but good experience from all these players and all these people, and the community is just fantastic. That is awesome, awesome to hear. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. Are there any challenges that you've had? I keep having to change my lore because they keep changing the actual lore oh my for, God, for Zephyr, right? and I'm like, oh, oh my, my gosh, <laughs> I have to keep changing it. Uh, <laughs> I just I just read the lore back last night, and it's like my whole world has been turned upside down. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. Some like, of my oh, characters. I'm gonna have to uh, change a bunch of things. Uh, the world. I mean, at least we know for sure now, but still, it it it, it was like a little bit of shock. Yeah. <laughs> So, what has your experience been, if any, with the roleplay status introduced in 3.4? Uh, I haven't really done 3.4 because I've been busy with cosplaying and work yeah. and all that kind of fun stuff. I haven't been really been able to go back, but I've been hearing that a lot of people have just been 
it's doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah, you don't think it's made a difference yet? Nah, not yet. I'm pretty sure that 4.0 will make a huge difference. Yeah, why do you say that? Well, it's new areas. And, yeah. I mean, plus the lore book came out, so we have like, yeah. all that to deal with. So do you think we'll see an uptick in roleplaying? Probably. I mean, more players will come on and hopefully it'll draw in more people. <laughs> awesome. That's a good theory. I sure hope so. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, we're here at day two of FanFest, and we've met a group of not one, not two, not three, but four role players that we're super excited to meet. First up is... Uh, Serdatia on uh, Balmung. Kobalir, also Balmung. Kikira Kira, also from Balmung. And Rinhali Nava, also from Balmung. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> so, tell us about all your characters, one by one again. All right. Uh, Sitter's a black mage, sort of a, trying to bring back void magic from Mach, and it's uh, also very, 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 very flamboyant. <laughs> awesome, awesome. I like it. I can't lie. I like cat boys. <laughs> so, no. interested in Mach, so did you, did you like Weeping City? Oh, yes. You love the lore of it, yeah. Oh, I loved it. I want to be there all the time. <laughs> Come, new housing, just be in the ruins of Mach. Yeah, new that housing would be great. <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Uh, my character is Koba. Uh, she is a lazy conjurer that kind of dabbles in pugilism. Um, she is very, very sarcastic and very blunt and very lazy. And she likes dirt. <laughs> she likes to get dirty. She just physically likes dirt. Like she likes rocks. Yeah. She's very like earth aspected with all of her conjuring. Yeah. Do you make her do the gardening in the house? Uh, begrudgingly. Aww. She's very lazy. She's a keeper. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess that's true. Uh, Kikira is a little ball of sunshine uh, until bad things happen to her, then she makes everyone go, oh. Um, she, her, she's a scholar, um, and her motivation is to try and figure out how fairies were created and recreate them, uh, so that there can be more scholars in the world to fix more people. Awesome, kind of like the carbuncles. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Um, yeah, and um, she really, really, really wants to recreate Nim and have a perfect society. So, also excited about Weeping City of Mach when you go in Ozma and there's Nim. Yeah. So, <laughs> nice, nice. When bring back, then when Serta brings back Mach, you can destroy Nim all over again. No! Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll just be sad at Serta. Again. <laughs> well, they drink over it. Like they yeah. always do. Yep. <laughs> so it seems like there's some banter here between the characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've That's been playing together for a while. Yeah, we That's always fun. <laughs> um, I'm, I play Renhali Dava. He is a moonkeeper who fled um, his home after um, <laughs> dabbling too much in the dark and unknown. And he is like the living embodiment of Curiosity Killed the Cat. Um, he is sort of shy and nervous, and you wouldn't suspect him of being into a lot of bizarre things, but he cannot leave well enough alone. If there's something dark and mysterious and forbidden, he has to know about it. So he gets involved in all of these horrible dark magic and demons, and it's great. There's more than enough dark things to get mixed up in in Eorzea. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, for instance, his tribe um, was is uh, in lives in the area surrounding Omnipore, so he's familiar with all of that. Um, so that's a big part of his story. But yeah. So we have Anupur, Mach, and Nim. <laughs> nice. All the six Astral Era represented. Yeah. So do you mo I know that there's a huge, huge, huge in-game roleplay community on Balmung. 
So I'm gonna assume you all roleplay in game. Yes. Do you also yeah. roleplay out of game on Highland Roleplayers or Tumblr or private? private yeah, Discord. Yeah. Discord. Occasionally, I yeah. roleplay yeah. a little bit on Tumblr and um, a lot on Discord. Awesome, awesome. What would you say is all of your favorite parts about RP? Just to get lost in the in the in the world and uh, explore new themes that you just can't in real life. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I very much like the collaborative creation. Um, I really like uh, being able to experience unsafe emotions in a safe way. I definitely, yeah, I definitely explore that because I mean, what what a lot of people who don't RP understand is that your art, your character is really not just an avatar of yourself. It's something different. And I have multiple muses, so it's like they're all different people with different personalities, and I'm always exploring things like good and bad that I don't want to do in real life. Like one, you know, I have one character who's like really dark and ruthless, and then I have like my character who's extremely friendly, like way friendlier than I am in real life. And I'm trying to practice, like especially with the RP status, like going going to random parties where I don't, where he doesn't know anybody, or going up to random people he doesn't know, because that's the thing, kind of thing he would do that I would never do, and it's, it's a little it's a little different. And you'll have to excuse any any uh, delays that we might have. We are all in a line currently for trial roulette. <laughs> it's a huge line. Um, I really like the collaborative writing aspect too. It's really fun to like play off other people when you're writing. Um, and I also like taking little details and little throwaway details in the game and fleshing them out into like huge stories and ideas for world building and stuff like that. That's really fun. Yeah, I totally get that. Are there any maybe challenges or nev negative experiences that you have? Very, very rarely on Balmung. I can count on one hand the poor experiences I've had just with people trying to troll our peers and um, really not very overly negative. Um, Nah. Yeah, I don't think people realize that Balmung isn't 100% RP. Like, there is still a divide between the community and, like, oh, maybe. It's about 85, maybe. 85%. Yeah. yeah. They can still get picked on. Definitely on other servers like Gilgamesh. Oh, yes. It's, it's worse. <laughs> um, so far, I think it's been great. I came from games where it wasn't so great. Um, and I think people that wind up on Balmung know why they're going there at this point because it's so full. Like, if you're trying to get there, you yeah. want to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if, you know, there's been a few, there's always going to be hiccups, but for the most part, it's been really good. I play a Lollafell, so creepers. Oh. <laughs> oh, my. oh, I actually have a, a Lollafell alt on Balmung, too. I want to play more with her. I just don't have enough time for all my characters. And, like, I had a guy in the Gimp mask and, like, a Subligar. And, like, like I, I understand that all Lollafell uh, characters are not children yeah um, my character has to be happens to be 15 so like a teenager and like but she definitely did not want this attention yeah <laughs> was like what is going uh -huh. on uh-huh yep There's a lot uh, of creepers um, I don't go to the gold saucer by myself anymore yeah or the quicksand uh, I just never go there unless a quest makes yeah yeah yeah. Um, I also haven't had very many like terribly negative experiences. I mean, there's always like whenever you get a bunch of people together doing something, there's always going to be conflicts and stuff like that. But I don't think it's been like overly bad. Um, yeah. Um, most of the um, I've also kind of avoided the quicksand, but I, I do play male characters, so unfortunately I don't get as much negative attention <laughs> for that because there aren't as this, that's just the truth of the matter. Um, so yeah, it's been pretty good so far. Awesome. And I'm also wondering if the roleplay status introduced in Patch 3.4 has had any effect on your RP, positive or negative? 
Uh, I kind of don't use it. It's kind of clunky anyway, hidden in the UI. So yeah, it's pretty obvious when I'm role playing and when I'm not because I'm using quotes. So yeah, um, I did always change my search status if I was idling around somewhere and open to it. Um, I haven't actually had much time to play since it's been introduced, um, but the few times I have, I do use it. So awesome! It's yeah, handy for it's there. It hasn't, people been, want it. it hasn't been around for that long. Yeah. So. Correct. I haven't gotten a chance to use it, but it's like, oh, cool, there's an RP status. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like Square Enix noticed us. Yeah. Oh, Senpai noticed us. Senpai yeah. did notice us. <laughs> um, the main change that's happened for me is that when my friends asked what I was doing and I was role playing, I would say out of the auto translate dictionary, we're chewing the fat. <laughs> and now I can say role playing. Um, but it's it's been kind of useful to know like who's into RP and not without like checking their status. Or yeah, whatever, or who's but, just RPing at the moment because yeah. sometimes I'm I want to be RPing most of the time. Sometimes I just don't feel like it. But you know, as far as I can tell, a lot of people seem to just put it on and then forget it's there. So it's not yeah. really useful to see people who are RPing right now, but seeing people who are interested in RPing at some point. Yeah, interesting. I'm hoping that it has more positive effects. I've gotten some pretty good feedback so far. Um, I think it maybe it'll take more time for everybody to get used yeah. to it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I said, I'm just really glad that like I feel like Square Enix is supporting this community. Yes, that's a really great yeah, thing to nice see. Yes. yes. Well, thank you all so much for talking to us today, and I hope you have a great time at the con and good luck on your trial roulette. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, we are back, coming to you from the trial roulette line. We just met some more role players who are also waiting on this line <laughs> with me. I am joined by what's Hoshi Hayashi, Uli Ojia, and Alina Hayashi. And you said you're all from Balmung? Yes. Awesome. So tell me about your characters. Hoshi is a uh, outcast of the Coral uh, tribe. He was originally Chihoshi Noon. But then he met a young, lovely lady on a server and ditched his whole tribe completely, basically, to become wow. a renegade. Wow. Sounds exciting. It is. Uh, Leo is a half-hearer, half-seeker of the sun who lost his parents, so he spends most of his time trying to find anything he can about his father who'd gone missing years ago. Interesting. Interesting backstory. Um, Alina Hayashi is a Makote Keeper of the Moon, and she originally went by Allendale Fay, which also was a fake name. She used to be a servant girl in the city of Zulda, working for a not-so-pleasant gentleman. And during the chaos of the calamity five years ago, she used that opportunity to escape, but had to do some things that she didn't agree with morally in order to escape, and it haunts her to the day. Very interesting. So a bit of a dark side to explore. Yeah, I feel like heroes and stories with conflicts and challenges prove to be more interesting for other players in the roleplay. I totally agree. So would you say that you mostly roleplay in-game or out-of-game on Heidelin role players or Tumblr or things like that? I mostly roleplay in-game. Entirely in-game. In-game with planning and stuff doing out-of-game. Awesome, awesome. So what would you say is your favorite part about roleplay? Just taking on the persona of another kid. It's like... Sorry, lost my voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just fun to be another person and meet people, build a story together. I totally agree. It's just another way to play the game and meet other people. That's my favorite part. Yeah, I mean, something you can do alongside all the other in-game activities. 
I like to write and create the stories for other players to enjoy. Half the time when I'm role-playing, I'm either role-playing as my character or just as a narrator playing as NPCs. Very cool. What are some of the challenges or more negative experiences that you've faced? Um, a few name calls, a few people saying that, is this really in-game or, you know, get out of our server, you know, you get those kind of people. But they say that on Balmung? Sometimes. Wow. Especially in the quicksand. Wow. <laughs> Sometimes people have difficulty um, separating themselves between RP and reality. Oh, so yeah. People, there can be, like, conflicts. And it, it ends up spreading to the real friendship, and I find that's the biggest problem with RP is making sure you set those boundaries early on. Yeah, in character, out of character drama. Well, we've already covered trolls and drama, so I guess I'll talk about continuity problems. I hate when people just suddenly retcon one of their role plays and say, "Oh, that never happened," or this and that. It it kills the immersion for me. It's hard to follow a story if it's constantly changing. Yeah, that unfortunately will happen when you have multiple people participating. So, even though it just kind of rolled out and we're not quite sure yet what the effect is going to be, have you noticed any changes coming from the roleplay status in patch 3.4? I mean, I throw it on there every now and then when I'm in the mood to roleplay. Um, if I don't in the mood to roleplay, then it's off. I think it's going to be, people are going to put a lot more descriptives in there instead of just walk up welcome or this is my roleplay status. Yeah, I think you actually have to pair it with like putting maybe a description in your search text, you know, so people have a little bit of, a, of an intro. Or you can just go up to them cold, you know, like they, you do in real life. Right, right. You know? I might be more of a pessimist, but I don't see it making much difference. Um, people who want to roleplay find a way to do it. I guess it's just for people who are... I guess it might help a little. I don't know. I think it would be easier to find other people who are role players rather than the constant examine, see if they have an RP tag in their description. It's now just right next to their name. And now that most, like, now that more role players have the RP tag next to their name, other players who are used to trolling the role players will maybe now see as like, oh, this is actually a more common thing than I thought, and maybe they'll back off a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree about that. I think that the visibility is going to be yeah. really positive. Totally In addition agree. to giving another way for people to find each other. Indeed. Wait, yes. what? Well, thank you so much for talking with us today, and enjoy the con. Good luck on the trial roulette and beating the real boss of FanFest, The Line. Good thank you. <laughs> And there you have it. We hope you've enjoyed this little glimpse of what it's like to be a role player within the world of Final Fantasy XIV. I know we had a whole lot of fun interviewing people and just seeking out role players during the con. Thank you so much again to all the people that we interviewed. Even though I didn't uh, take the time to write down everybody's names, I hope that you find us and that we find you. Maybe on Tumblr, we've posted the, the photos on Twitter that you know we can connect and hopefully we've Maybe gained a new listener? Maybe a new fan? I don't know. It was it was just great seeing all the support that, that we got as we were walking around the con. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I uh at one point I was having lunch dinner with a group of other podcasters and I didn't realize that the fellow who was sitting next to me was one of our Twitter followers that you know that, that I've conversed with before. And I was like, Hey, you you get a sticker. <laughs> Good to see you again. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we got to meet a lot of people, not only just random players of the game, but a whole lot of other content creators who just talk about the Final Fantasy XIV community in general. We got to meet people from Maelstrom Radio. We got to meet 
some people who we interviewed, actually. Yeah, Phoenix Down Radio. Am I allowed to say it now? Yeah, Can I say it? yeah. <laughs> we got to interview, finally. <laughs> we got to interview um, Anonymous and Ethis Asher. Woo! She's been dying, dying to tell you about that. <laughs> right? It's so exciting. And they went amazingly. And so just getting to meet everybody, I think, really strengthened the bonds that we have within this podcaster's community. Yeah, yeah. Um, we had talks even of starting a podcaster's discord, mm. which has been made now. Um, it's the Aorzean Podcasters Alliance. Guess who picked the name? <laughs> yep, we, we did suggest the name. That was us. No, no relation whatsoever to the Aorzean Alliance, nope. I'm sure. <laughs> but yeah, we... And the people who we thought maybe would not be so welcoming, it turned out that they were. Yeah. That's the best part. And so as we got to learn more about people, it's like every podcast sort of fills in where another podcast leaves off. And nobody's really mad about it. It's just another look at the realm. And all of it's valuable, even if we might not agree with it sometimes. <laughs> it's just great to see. Yeah. I totally agree. I think, who did we miss in our shout-outs? Not that we're doing shout-outs. I think Gather Together. Gather Together. Gather Together, yeah. Rubicon and Yelta. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I was an attendee of the 2014 FanFest, and my experience was so, so different. This time around, it was so much better and more intense. Not only am I more involved in the game, more emotionally involved, more involved with my with my free company, with with the whole scene of the game. I came as a podcaster and I was able to not only just meet those other podcasters, but meet people that listen to us and meet other role players, you know, the people that we're actually doing this for. And I have to say that when you come as a content creator and you get that sort of positive feedback, and when you know that your work has an impact on other people, that's really indescribable. I don't know how else to say it. It's so motivating and uplifting. When you know that people love your work, they look forward to more, you just feel this amazing fire in your heart. Like, I got to keep going. I got to do more. I got to do better next time. And I, I'm i going to fangirl a tiny bit and say that uh, when I first actually got to say hi to Ethis in the hall, and we knew that we were going to do the interview, and I asked him, oh, have you listened to this show? And he's like, oh, I loved it. I, I binge I binge listened to it. it. I was like, oh, man, imagine finding this person that you admire so, so much that puts out work that you know is of the highest quality and they love what you do so much that they binge listen to it. I mean, that's just that was incredible. It was really incredible. We're hearing from Anani Moves. Yeah. This is the only podcast that I've been able to like sit through full episodes. Yeah, with. yeah. He did say that. That was great to hear. <laughs> Uh, I gotta agree. Social openness, especially for me, is really, really tough. I am a kind of person who just doesn't really like talking a whole lot, especially when crowds are involved. And so FanFest, I mean, yeah, it was big. It was really loud. There were a lot of people. It was hectic. I do not want to talk about the merchandise lines or anything like that, because <laughs> I think everybody knows about the merchandise line fiasco yeah. um, that went on over there. But when we came here, I think thinking about it on an individual level, meeting people, and then having that common ground to talk about, talking about roleplay, talking about what you do in game, and then letting them know about what we do, and then seeing the response that people got. I mean, like Remix said, 
you want to keep on doing what you do and you want to reach more people. So from these interviews, I mean, I wasn't there for a lot of them, but there were a lot of individual conversations that I had that were supportive and they made me feel a whole lot more at home than I would have felt otherwise, I think. Coming at a convention in general as a content creator was great. It was a different look and I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to describe kind of kind of that feeling. And we're looking at it about a week afterwards, a little bit less. But as Emmy said before, another thing that I learned and that I was a little bit humbled by is actually meeting other big names in the community that I thought I didn't like, that I thought were unfriendly, were aloof, were egotistical, were this and that. And and I'll never name names, especially since now that my opinion has changed. But <laughs> that, that happens a lot in fandom when you have, you know, quote unquote, big name fans. And you've never met them in person. So you kind of get attached to rumors, to gossip, to their on screen, on air kind of personas what they say can be polarizing yeah and and you just you know you listen to to kind of he said she said about different things and i think it's that's unfortunate but when i actually got to meet them face to face we had a nice conversation and they or they had heard of us or they were they were supportive of us you know they don't all have to be role players but they understand that we're bringing something unique and special to the ff14 community that people value it made me realize that there's really no reason to to beef about each other about people we've never met in person like why not judge the person face to face you know instead of based on rumors and i do think like overall there's just like the vast mass majority of people are all gonna like get along there's no reason for us to to dislike each other and especially now that we've all met in person and it's okay that there might be names out there that are never going to be our best friends or that are still going to be on the negative side of, of role play. But I have to, I have to say that I, my impression was changed, that I would rather form an opinion on someone based on a face-to-face interaction rather than like hearsay and rumor. And it's these gatherings that let us all kind of come together and, and make friends. Actually, now that you say it, there were a lot of new friends that were made at FanFest. And maybe that's to be expected at some cons. But what was really surprising was to see the number of people in person who are interested in roleplay. And not just on servers like Balmung. There were people who I talked to who roleplayed on not-so-well-known servers. Um, Sargatanis or Leviathan, for example. There was somebody who was a member of a very small link shell who was trying to get people interested in roleplay on Leviathan. So, that said, if you are on Leviathan and want to roleplay, there are people looking for you. Woohoo! Yeah. So even if this roleplay scene is small, people let me know they're welcoming of newcomers who want to roleplay. And they love the roleplay status that brought people out of the woodwork on their servers, so to speak. It's, it's great. We met people who you otherwise would not meet in everyday life because they aren't on servers that you play on. You might not know them on other websites. For example, we roleplay on Tumblr with a bunch of Final Fantasy XIV roleplayers. But maybe they don't have those things. And so getting to talk to people and letting them know and making friends there. FanFest. It's great. (laughs) I can't stress that enough. I cannot (laughs) stress that enough. Uh, It's even in 2014, I felt that it was one of the most memorable experiences of my life. And to think that 2016 tops up by leaps and bounds is is absolutely crazy. (laughs) It is crazy. Yeah, I just I want to savor all the memories i want to hold on to them uh i have to tell all of our listeners about 
another very special person that I met. In addition I know to who this is. in addition to lore figures like Anonymous and Ethis Asher, who were so kind as to give us their time and whose interviews you will hear in the coming weeks. I was extremely lucky to have met in my random wanderings of the hall, the man himself, Koji Fox. Yay! <laughs> I got to see and him in the hallway later on, but he was he was busy and he had to get ready for the Primals concert, it seemed like. Yeah, so, so I'll, I'll tell everybody the story. This was on Friday, and I had changed out of my white mage costume. Got up to the room and changed into a t-shirt I had made, which is a black t-shirt with uh, the patches modeled after Merlwib's jacket. So I called it my lazy Merlwib cosplay. <laughs> it looks good, though. <laughs> Yeah, the, the patches were pretty nice. And I don't even know what I was doing. But you have to understand that the devs that were there made as much time as possible to randomly appear in the hallway and just take pictures with people, sign autographs. When I passed Koji, I was like, oh, man, that's him. He's really there. And I didn't realize that the large queue of people that had started to gather around him were actually waiting in line to get an autograph. So I was actually hesitant at first, like, oh, what am I going to do? This line is really long. What if I don't get it in time? And then in the next moment, I was like, just just shut up and get in the line. Just shut up and get in the line. Because if you don't <laughs> do this, you're going to hate yourself later. <laughs> so you did? I did. And I thought pretty carefully about what I was going to say. So it went something like, hi, I just want you to know I love you guys. I love this game. And I love Merlvib, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also very glad that we got the roleplay status in patch 3.4. I proceeded to give the whole spiel about Musecast. And I said, because we're role players, we're huge fans of the lore and of your work. And so after I was telling him about the, the roleplay status and how I think it's had a positive effect, he said, oh, man, you don't know how long it took to get that in. That's and a that's little saddening. That's somewhat saddening that you yeah. have to take that much effort because for people on smaller servers, as I was talking to them during the con, you didn't get to hear it, of course, but it's been so helpful. Yeah. I mean, it's been across the board a positive thing. I think that it can probably grow more to have more positive impact. As you heard in the interviews, the impact has either been positive or kind of neutral, like we need to spend more more time with it, but... Overall, like it certainly has not had a negative effect. It's overall, it's been a good thing, and it can only have more uh, positive effects in bringing our peers together in the future. But by him saying that, it tells me two things: one, that it has been something that he's been fighting for for some time. Who knows how long? Since two point oh, since one point oh, it's something that has been on his mind, and that he's been fighting for it. And the impression that I got from that is that Koji is a supporter of role players. Even in the lore panel, even in live letters before, he's said things like, oh, role players will appreciate X. A little bit of tidbit, you know, that he knows that we're out there. He acknowledges us. He is on our side. And he's thinking of us. Yeah. So that was the most uplifting thing. To feel that the master of localization and hopefully, you know, his co counterparts in Japan, the main scenario writers, uh, Oda and Ishikawa, they see us. They love us and they support us. That's super great to feel and know. And when I asked for an autograph, it read to Musecast 14, never stop role playing. Yay. Michael Christopher Koji Fox, 2016. 
<laughs> that that was just that was an amazing thing. And that's a message for all of you out there too. Not just from us, but from Koji himself. Never stop role playing. You heard the man. <laughs> that was an awesome thing to know. I mean, every time you feel down about how people make fun of the community, how people misunderstand what we do, just just remember that Koji loves you. And smile. <laughs> <laughs> Our Lord and Savior Koji Fox. <laughs> Uh, oh, well, well, at the lore panel. That was a highlight. Yeah, he teased that maybe next time Odasan will come. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, that lore panel was definitely a highlight, I think, for, for both of us. Oh, yeah. You know, there were funny answers, as per as per Koji. <laughs> but, yeah. but learning some of the smaller details gave some answers about how AORZ works, which is great. And for yeah. me, for me, it answered some things, but it also brought up new questions. Koji mentioned that Nanamo, he did bring up Nanamo, which is great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. She plays some small role in how the syndicate is selected. But unfortunately, there is still that internal power struggle since she apparently still wants to dissolve it completely, even despite what Lolo Rito said in the Tales from the Dragon Song War story. So... For me, that seemed like she might be trying to stall it somehow. How could she do that? Lore panel's great. You know, I, I love how it brings up more questions. It gives answers and then, of course, sparks more curiosity. And then, of course, big thing of FanFest, 4.0 was announced. Stormblood! Yep, I'm, I'm still not personally a fan of the name, but that's <laughs> what it is, so I'm going to have to live with it. I am uh, I am still slightly embarrassed with how loudly I yelled when Koji and Yoshi P were like, last time was in Ishgard, where are we going now? And I'm like, oh, let me oh, go. Let me go. Yeah, oh my God. I did that I'm... too. I was, I was screaming <laughs> I screamed so loud. as loudly as my voice would allow, which isn't <laughs> extremely loud. But yeah, no, we're going all amigo, as expected. Um Stormblood is is coming out in early summer 2017, we hope, if all goes according to plan. And it will focus on getting Alamigo back from Garlean control. So making it an independent state. And so I'm really interested to see the tensions between the Resistance and the people who grew up under this Garlean rule. Who might not necessarily want to see Alamigo be independent. Yeah, it was nice that before any of the new stuff that they're going to put in, they went over what I consider the most important thing, the story points. Yeah. Here's the new villain. Here's the plot points. Here's the points of tension. Here's what it's going to involve. And we aren't going to go too far into what exactly it said, because a lot of these expansion details are available on the Square Enix site. So maybe we can link that. Yeah, there's been plenty of FanFest recap. Even a little bit of us live tweeting and live Facebooking. <laughs> Though, with that patch information, we also got the lore book released. Yeah, probably the biggest long-lasting effect, at least for the roleplay community, is the release of the almighty lore book. Encyclopedia Eorzea. Yes. Something that has been uh, long anticipated and that has had, I would say, sweeping effects on the lore and RP community as far as I've seen from the reactions. Now, there's many reasons for this. One is because a lot of the information in the book, they said about 30%, is brand new and was completely new. And I think that after having skimmed through the book, not read at all, it's pretty long. 
that most of the new stuff has to do with character backstories, which, which is, is super awesome. Super duper awesome for everybody role-playing because either you found out new stuff about your existing NPC character, you found out more background information about your original character's clan or a race or region, but also because I think it opened up the door for more role-players to come in and role-play maybe some of those more minor characters because just browsing around Tumblr... I've been really surprised about not only the number of people that have started blogs for minor characters, but how good they are and how interesting it is to see what we might think of as deleted scenes between major characters and minor characters. So I think that if you've ever been interested in maybe a more minor NPC, but you just feel like you didn't have enough info about them to turn them into the character, there's roughly an equivalent amount of information for minor characters as major characters. Like there's as much text in the book for like Imeric as like the second commander of the Temple, Temple Knights Handeloop, to give you a vague idea. So that's relatively speaking, a lot of information about minor characters. I guess the downside of that is because with major characters, it felt really, really difficult to sum them up in a few paragraphs. Like thinking about like the, you know, Aorazine Alliance members who were the first people that we flipped to. Like, I'm like, how can you summarize Merlwib in three paragraphs? How can you summarize Nanamo in three paragraphs? Like, you can't. Like, because when I read those, it felt like it was, like, barely scratching the surface. It's but when stuff come we already to, knew. Yeah, when it came to minor characters, it felt like it was, like, all new, really exciting stuff. Yeah. So I think that if you have been interested in a, a relatively minor NPC, someone from a side quest, someone from a job quest, get your hands on the book. Get someone to take you a picture. I will take as many requests as I possibly can as the official holder of the Muse Cast lore book <laughs> signed by signed by Anonymous and Ethis. <laughs> signed by everybody. Yes, just because, you know, I feel like as someone with possession of it, because there's relatively few of us, that's my duty and also, you know, to our listeners. Go to our website, go to our Twitter, send us a message, send us an email with a request. There's also a lot of stuff about society. In general, just like how, how things work, how the jobs work, the history of those jobs. So not just the characters, if you're interested in like role-playing an NPC, but also some previously stated information and some new information on what AORC was like in the past, in the present. Maybe not so much in the future, but we can take a guess. Yeah, the way that they did history was very, very well done. I think it first gets into detail in maybe the sixth astral era from which we actually have a detailed timeline, which was super, super useful. Also in resolving this bet that we had going <laughs> regarding the ages of the Orisian Alliance, which I won in a I, landslide. I lost. Yeah, I... Uh, <laughs> I would have I guess... been rich if we had bet money, but unfortunately we did not. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I lost four out of five bets or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we had made predictions yeah. about how old the Orisian Alliance leaders would be. I think the only thing that I made a mistake on was how young Kane-sana actually is. Yeah, that took us by surprise. Yeah, she's around, what, 28, I think? 28, yeah. But she's we will get into Gridania after we're done with our interviews, and it'll be really exciting to have the first city-state coverage where we actually have the lore book. Yeah, that'll yeah, be Yeah, all our facts will be in order. And we also will be having some other guests on here just to discuss Gridania, because to be honest, we are not... The utmost experts. Yeah, it's like we did Limsa and Olda, and that was easy because we both know a ton about them and are really emotionally invested. And I'm actually quite proud of how we did with Ishgard. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know that was kind of surprising. 
That was very surprising how, how much we had to say about Ishgard. Even if we thought we didn't have very much, it was surprisingly a lot. Yeah. That being said, I'm hoping that Gridania will be the first city-state episode to be one episode long. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know about manage. that. <sighs> we tend to make episodes longer than they actually are. Yeah, we just have so much to cover. It's so true. Like, after Gridania, it's like there's so much more planned that I'm so anxious to get to. Anyway, so I want to talk about not only what's in the lore book and make some vague attempt to decide what are the five biggest or most important revelations, but also talk about kind of the feedback from the community, from mostly role players and other lore buffs that I can find. The reaction is fairly mixed. On the one hand, we're really glad to get what we believe to be a canonical source of facts, as stated by the creators, that answers a lot of questions that we had previously. On the other hand, people have found text bugs. Yeah. On the other hand, it's really hard to think of it as the be-all and end-all lore bible when there are not only text errors, but some, I guess you'd call them factual errors or inconsistencies between previously stated lore information between what's in the game, um, both on things that are objective and subjective. I guess a, an example is, so when you read Lukia's profile, the story of how she and Imerich met is much different in intention than the way it's described in the game. And I mean, it's described pretty vaguely in the game. So there could be a point where the two accounts actually meet in the middle. But our friend who roleplays Lucia, so feels very, very strongly about this, was not too happy. <laughs> Being told one thing and then reading another. Yeah, because it actually changes the intention and the feeling. And that can be really hard for a roleplayer to process because you've made an emotional relationship with this character as you've interpreted them, as they've been presented to you. And changes in the intention of the story can change their characterization. So... That's one reason why there's been, I, I wouldn't say backlash, but a little bit of resistance and skepticism. Now, this is based on what I've been reading on uh, Tumblr entries, what I've been reading on two big threads in the lore forum going right now, um, on lore book revelations and on lore book errata. There are also, you know, the odd, the odd typos there that maybe don't actually change the intention, but make it seem like they could have gone over it with a more fine-toothed comb and makes it just a, just a little bit skeptical of saying this is the be-all and end-all lore source. Here's the other thing that I've been reading. There are going to be situations where even if you accept what's in the lore book, it will change something in lore that was previously stated, something that you've built your character around. So there's been some comments that I've read that say, hey, if you don't want to follow the lore book in your RP, that's okay. You don't have to take it as a vacuum. You don't have to take it as granted. You can maybe say, this is my universe that I've already created and I just don't want to change it. And that's fine because you're role-playing for you and to a lesser extent for role-play partners. Now, if you can come to some kind of agreement with the people that you interact with in your role-play that you follow a certain version of canon, you know, because we've gone many, many years maybe following one version of things and one book isn't really going to change that for you, then that's your choice. I believe a lot of people are saying that you don't have to take it as a Bible and that like this is your own universe that you're creating for yourself with your roleplay. 
really all that matters is that you can come to an agreement with the people that you're interacting with. Because the reason why we do have canon and why we do want to have most things be understood the same way as other people is because we're all playing in kind of a shared universe. And if there's too much inconsistency between all our universes, there's not going to be enough common ground. So to put it a different way, the lore book is a supplement to the game itself. It is something that, like Mog Station items, you have to purchase separately. And as such, not everybody currently has access to it. Not everybody is going to have access to it. It is something that does help clarify how the world of Eorzea works. But it's not going to be something that everybody is going to use, that everybody might not necessarily pay attention to. With roleplay, what's most important is that both parties, or however many parties are involved, have an understanding between the two of them of what they believe to be true. And so long as you have that understanding, even if your world is completely different from what's in the game itself, that's what's most important. Yeah, and I think that would be true even outside of the context of the lore book. If at any point you wanted to have your character, your interpretation diverge from canon, even as presented in the game, you're allowed to do that as well, as long as you just have an understanding with the people you interact with. So whether it's the game, the lore book, whatever, you want to follow it, you want to not, there's many situations in which you can have more fun going in a different direction, whether it's alternate universe or just slight canon divergence, whatever it is. What I think there's the biggest backlash against is people being snobs about it. That's not what we want to see happen. That breaks that breaks the bonds between people. And it's something that we said from the very beginning, episode yeah, one. Yeah, like... Just talk to people, please. <laughs> yeah. Just talk to people and make sure everything is clarified. And once an agreement is made, then so... Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That being said, I love the book a whole ton. I hope that it does a lot to enhance people's interest in lore, people's interest in roleplay, because there's so much more information that people can use to grow their interpretations, enhance their interpretations, and just get lost in Eorzea even more than we already are. I think it'll help people do just that. If they're new to to the game, to the world, to roleplay, even if they don't want to roleplay, it's very, very helpful. And I think it's a very good way to get an introduction in some ways to what it's like to be building a world as role players do. Absolutely. So we're actually interested to hear more of your thoughts, our listeners, as role players. What are your thoughts on the lore book? What have you read so far? What did you like and dislike? Were there big impacts for your character in particular? Because there was definitely some stuff about Merlweb in there that was like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Phenomeno, not a lot changed. Which is sort of good to hear. Yeah. It's good. To, it's good to know that your headcanons have been confirmed, and everything yeah. is no, great. There, and I am going to just be smug about that. But <laughs> <laughs> if we started to actually talk about what was in the book, we would go on for a very long we time. Would. And we would like to talk some more about lore book revelations that we had. But I think that'll be either a blog post or some bonus content. Which, speaking of, I think that's a good segue to talk about our social media outlets here. So, of course, if you're listening to us now, you might be listening to us on iTunes. You might be listening to us on Stitcher. You might also be listening to us on Google Play. Or you can find us on our website at www.musecastxiv.com. That is our Tumblr webpage. You can also find us on Facebook. Same thing, MusecastXIV. 
or on Twitter at NewscastXIV. No surprise there. <laughs> and we also have a Patreon or a PayPal. If you like what you heard, you can donate to us either a monthly thing through Patreon or if you just want to sort of buy us a drink or just give us a pat on the back for doing mm -hmm. what we do, <laughs> we have our PayPal as well. So if you are interested in that, then head over to our website and you can find a little PayPal button. Click on that. Yes. Scroll down on the sidebar and you'll find it there. You can find on our Patreon bonus content as soon as we have people who support us enough to start producing bonus content. And you can also have the opportunity to hear episodes 24 hours before they actually are released. Yes. Quick rundown of patron benefits. If you donate $5 a month, you have access to all of our bonus content in note form, which means all previous show notes, all of the material that we had to cut out of the episode, all of the text content that we've ever written, which is a ton, considering the length of our episodes. We have so many pages of notes, <laughs> you have no idea. Yeah, you'll have access to all of that. If you donate $10 a month or more, we will actually go ahead and record bonus episodes for you. All the things we wanted to talk about, but just did not have time to record. Yeah, so if you really can't get enough of MuseCast, do consider making that small donation. Everything that we receive just goes back into the show, goes back into breaking even, not having to use our own money for everything all the time. <laughs> and while, while I'm thinking of it, if you would like to send us just some feedback, any kind of feedback or any kind of news that's going on within your roleplay server or non-roleplay server, but just related to roleplay in general, you can shoot us an email. Our email is musecastxiv at gmail.com. It sure is. I definitely want to give a special shout out to anybody who's listening to this that found us at FanFest. This is true. We had <laughs> an insane number of people who are interested in Musecast, who got stickers. We posted some pictures on social media about that. And yeah, so if you found us then, welcome. We're glad to have you here. Yes, welcome. Adventurers, this is Musecast yeah. 14. As we say at the beginning of every episode. <laughs> We're just starting a second episode from here. No, we, we have, as you will find, the beginning of two episodes of interviews that we had at FanFest for our next two episodes, so do stay tuned for that. Yeah, they are each an entire episode's length long in themselves. <laughs> anyway, with that said, this is the end of this episode, I believe. Is it? It's our 10th episode. It is. You know, we, we happen to make this special episode on a nice even number. Yeah, the Fan Fest special. Yep. <laughs> part one? So, part one, well, I don't know. It's 2018 is the next one, I guess. Uh, it's a long way off. But maybe that's okay, because we need to recover. This is true. <laughs> oh. Well, thank you, all of our listeners, all of our listeners, old and new. Thank you for being with us. Happy adventuring. And we'll see you next time with Anonymous. Yep, see you next time. Thanks for listening to MuseCast 14. Tune in next time when we'll be interviewing Anonymous. Happy adventuring, and may you ever walk in the light of the crystal. <laughs> <laughs>